What if pursuing financial wealth isn't the best way to become financially wealthy? Today, the path to wealth no one talks about, but we're going to. Let's go. Helping you win in your work life so that you can win in life. I'm Ken. This is the Ken Coleman Show. All right, let's unpack this thought. Am I teasing you or am I challenging you to think differently about wealth? After all, I think if we all sat down quietly, maybe pen and paper or pencil and paper, and we begin to define wealth, would it be all financial? For some, yes. Maybe I'm too romantic about this. Maybe I believe too much positivity about the human spirit, but I believe if you're left alone with your thoughts and you begin to answer this question on paper, what defines a wealthy person? And I think if you just sat there with that and you begin to think, how would I define richness? Is it just money? I think if you contemplate that, it makes sense when you look at the research. The research says that Americans report more positive daily emotions, earn more income by the age of 29. So let's just frame that down to, if you have a largely positive childhood and adolescence to where you would say, I I had a pretty happy life growing up, the data bears out that you earn more income by the age of 29 versus people who would have a troubled childhood, a troubled adolescence. Now, again, <laughs> in this day and age, when you say something like this, everybody's got to come back. So let me let me take on the objection really quick. Yes, there are a lot of people who had really crappy childhoods who actually fuel that, filter that, and they become wildly successful. So this is not one broad brush. But overall, there's enough data here that says our wellness might just be the key to our wealthiness. Those who reported a very happy adolescence earned 10% more income on average. These are two different studies. A separate study at the British telecommunications firm run by Oxford found that happy workers, so now this is in the now, people who would consider themselves happy at work, and again, we're, we're talking about just a, it's less about the emotion of I'm happy right now, and this is more about well-being. So the emotion of happy is a way of describing well, well-being here in the study. Well, these workers were 13% more productive. So what can we take away from this? these findings from multiple studies? That your well-being has massive impact on your ability to be productive, to get promoted, to get paid more, to keep more of what you make. How many of you know that a lot of people who struggle with debt or the inability to save money is resulting from they are not experiencing peace and wellness in their life and they go spend in order to medicate.
I'll paraphrase the great Victor Frankl, who wrote In Search of Meaning, largely from his memory of being in a concentration camp in Nazi-controlled Germany. He said, those who live with no purpose are given to distraction. And I'm paraphrasing something that he said once, and he's absolutely right. So the more unhealthy I am in multiple areas of my life, the less wealthy I will be because I am medicating, I am distracted, and so forth and so on. So I I was thinking about this, and I want to give you, I think, two very simple classifications as we look at this idea of well-being and 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 healthiness leading to wealthiness because i think we're in two categories the first is thriving the second is striving i think we're in one of two categories we're either thriving or we're striving now let me break this down if i am thriving i have a mindset of optimism and possibility uh, the, the way I wrote this down in my notes is I'm focused on present opportunities and I'm focused on future possibilities. These are two very different things. So if, if, if I'm thriving, if I'm in a place of well-being, my mind is at a place where I can go, I can be present on today, right now, today's opportunity. There are days, and I'm going to talk about this in the next segment, I'm going to get very personal and share uh, multiple times where I've not been a place of well-being and how that's affected me. But I can tell you today, thank God, I'm in a place of well-being and I am completely focused on the opportunity to speak to people today, to encourage people today. But when I'm not in a place of thriving, I'm not fully present. So when I'm thriving, I'm, I'm mentally and emotionally and spiritually and physically well. I'm present. I'm completely present. And not only am I present, and, and I see opportunity today, I'm optimistic, but I'm also able to look to the future and say, hey, things are good today. I think it could be really good in the future. And I begin to see a better future. Now, let's flip that. What if I'm striving and, and I'm using the word striving as I'm just fighting. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to make it through the day. I'm not in a place of wellness. Well, now I'm focused on my problems. And inevitably, I'm focused on my past. Let me explain that. When I'm not in a place of healthiness, all I'm doing now is I'm focusing on what's fallen off the shelf. I'm focusing on where I'm feeling pain. I might be feeling pain in in my financial life. I might be feeling pain in my relationship life. I may be feeling pain in my physical life. But when I am not healthy in a place of wellness, Everything is like this. I'm focused on everything that's hurting or stressing. So the way I want to I want you to picture this is my eyes aren't up at all. I'm not even able to be present where I am. I'm only looking inward at what's going on and how I feel about it. And here's what happens. The more unhealthy I am, the more I tend to look backwards, not forwards, because I'm always trying to find a reason why this happened to me, right? I mean, this makes sense. If I'm not well, I go, why am I not well? And I tend to look back. What did I do yesterday? What did I do six weeks ago? What did I do six months ago? Oh, here's one. What happened to me six years ago? 
So I tend to look in the past. And then all I'm focused on is my pain. Now, that's the complete opposite of thriving, where I'm completely present and I see opportunities. I'm optimistic about the opportunities I have today, and that informs my view of the future. So thriving is, I enjoy my life. I'm so grateful for today. Striving is, my life sucks. I'm just trying to make it through today. So, how do we actually begin to become well so that we can become wealthy? I'm going to break it down next. We're going to look at certain areas of your life and specific things you need to do. Don't move. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman Show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman. BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. So what if pursuing financial wealth isn't the best way or the only way to be financially wealthy? This is the question we're breaking down today. And so how do we look at the data that says that people that are in a place of uh, wellness, in other words, happy, how is it that they, by the data, consistently make more money? Well, because I think you've got to look at the whole picture of what healthy looks like and then what does wealthy actually become and i'm going to submit to you and i think you all saw this coming i don't think that wealthiness is limited to financial prosperity i just don't i can tell you throughout history i can give you really big names i've read their biographies i know their stories inside and out they were very wealthy financially they were not wealthy in many other areas of their life they were not wealthy relationally they were not wealthy with their health great wealth great power i don't think that's true wealthiness i'm i'm reminded of an old phrase i think i learned in elementary school a ben franklin quote Early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. And I think that leads us to the first area where if we begin to be healthy, wealthy will follow. And that is just our physical being. Folks, I read data every day before I come on this show. Many days I share on this show the data that is showing us that we are at an all-time high with burnout and stress in the American workforce. And you can see the numbers are are, are the same internationally. So we have work environments where people that are causing people to not be healthy physically because of the 
unbelievable amount of stress. Now, I don't have time to teach on that today, and that's another episode. I teach about it all the time. But there are multiple factors or causes of stress in the workplace that over time have an unbelievably negative impact on our physical health. So is your body breaking down because of the stress at work? Mental stress will lead to physical stress. And once the physical stress happens, let me just tell you something. Things just start to break. I'll give you a personal story. When I go really hard and fast and I don't get good rest and I've got high pressure, and I'm a guy who thrives on pressure. I love pressure. I perform best under pressure. But if I don't take care of myself with good sleep and exercise and proper eating, let me tell you what goes. My neck and my back. All right? I was in a bad car accident when I was younger. It messed up my neck. And I got to be careful with it. I've got to sit with good posture. You know, that's one thing. But if, but if I'm also going and I'm not and I'm not taking care of myself, I'm going to tell you what happens. My lower back and my neck start to hurt. Now, as I sit here today, <laughs> this is so hard to admit. I have a pinched nerve right now. Why? Because I've not taken care of my body the way I'm supposed to. And so Kenny Boyd decides to go out with a pickaxe and a teenager two weekends ago and dig up some old plants that died in a deep freeze we had in Middle Tennessee. Now, I never use a pickaxe. It's a miracle that I have all my fingers and toes, but I'm out there doing stuff that I don't normally do, using muscles that I probably haven't used in months. And I woke up the next day with some burning sensations down my arm. As I sit here today, if I've moved my head and neck in a certain way, I got a tuning fork going off in my left arm. Right now, I can't feel much of this finger. It's on me. Now, the good news is it's better. But two weeks ago, it was really rough. And I'm using this as an example. I came in, I did my job, I didn't lay at home and everything else because I was able to do it. But let me tell you something. When you are physically in pain, it doesn't matter how great your freaking job is. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how great your wife is and your kids. When you are in physical pain, it causes stress. It causes distraction. You aren't at your best. We know this. Let's go to financial. So we've talked about the physical. Let's talk about financial. Whoa. Now, financial pain doesn't hurt like my neck hurts. But financial pain will distract you big time. You'll start wanting more money at work when you probably don't deserve it. Why? You're desperate. You'll start thinking, I haven't gotten a promotion and the raise that I should get, and I should be making more money. Maybe I'm a loser. Maybe I've made bad decisions. Oh, man, I've been down this road before. Start looking at yourself. After you blame others, you start blaming yourself. Man, what have I done with my life? I'm X amount years old, and I only make this? Let me tell you something, folks. This is a slippery slope. Where does this come from? Desperation. Fear. Doubt. They start piling on top of you when you have financial pain when you're in debt and you're living paycheck to paycheck you're stressed out of your mind let me tell you something (laughs) you can't be well and you won't feel much happiness stacy and i went through this early on 
um, before we met Dave and we were in our early marriage years and I, and I had some opportunities that I wanted to take. And financially we had her student loans and some of my student loans and, and we just didn't, we have had no margin. And, and there were some opportunities that I wanted to take to do some training, to do some things. And I simply couldn't afford it. Now it's all worked out in the end, but I'm just telling you when you aren't financially stable, there will be opportunities to grow that you won't be able to afford and that has an, an, another negative effect on you. Let's look at the emotional. How many of you are burned out, stressed out right now at work? You're in a negative environment. Your boss doesn't talk with you in a normal way. There's no real communication or it's super negative communication. You've got some, that, that leader has allowed for a toxic teammate or an entire team or the entire company. And you feel like you walk into the office, the moment you walk in the door, the water's right here below your nose. You don't feel seen. You don't feel heard. You're dealing with all kinds of junk. Starting to doubt yourself. Haven't been promoted, been passed over. Let me tell you something. That just starts to fall in. The walls fall in. And it just spirals. So watch what happens. Okay? Throughout this process, wherever we're hurting... They start to play off of each other. The last one is relationships. I was going through a season of life about two years ago. Alex and Joe know about this. Joe actually walked in one day, and I was behind this screen right here. Is a I shouldn't tell people this is my safe room, but behind this screen there is a, it, it looks like a closet, and it's probably about six feet deep, and it's probably about three feet wide. And Joe walked in there one day, and uh, I'm okay saying this because Joe's known me a very, very long time. And Joe walked in to get some stuff put on the shelf, and I was sitting there. You remember that, Joe? And he was like, oh. And I was sitting in the dark, crying, not sobbing to where he could see it, but I was praying and crying, and I was I was literally asking God to give me the strength to do the show that day. This is about 15 minutes before the show. I was in a rough spot, hurting for one of my kids, hurting from one of my kids. Feeling completely, utterly helpless and like a failure as a father. I mean, it was, and the truth is, and I'm going to confess this, the truth is I should have looked at Alex and Joe and said, hey, run a run a recorded show today. I need to go home. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And I gutted my way through the show, and I somehow got in here, and I made it about the callers, and I made it about what I believe I needed to say today. But I'm just going to tell you something. I was on autopilot, and I wouldn't recommend you do it. The only reason I was able to do it, is, quite frankly, is because I'm very experienced. I, I got through that day on just sheer, I've done it so many times. It's kind of like that old Joe Diffie song, Prop Me Up Beside the Jukebox If I Die. I mean, I was kind of like, they put me in the chair, and when that light comes on, I have enough experience where I was able to get through it. But I, I didn't give the audience my best. I didn't give the Lord my best. I, I didn't give anybody my best. And so I'm looking at these four areas, physical, financial, emotional, and relational. When I am not healthy in those areas, I will never truly be wealthy in each of those areas, and the financial is all a part of it. So why do I share this? Because some of you want to win in your life, and what's holding you back is your overall health. The financial will take care of itself if you get healthy.
Helping you win in your work life so that your overall life is better. This is the Ken Coleman Show. If you are enjoying the show, if it's helping you and you are watching via YouTube, would you give us a thumbs up on the video that you're watching? Also, hit that subscribe button. And then, a particular video helped you. Share it with somebody you think it will help as well. And then, if you're listening via your favorite podcast platform, uh, would you give us a follow and uh, share an episode as well? Also, for those of you who are feeling stuck and what's really holding you back is you just aren't clear which direction you want to go or you're not clear if I go this direction, do I have what it takes? We've got a great assessment for you. It's about a 15-18 to minute assessment. It's called the Get Clear Assessment. Helps you get clear in three clear, clear uh, boy, I can't talk, key areas, all right? I'm so clear I can't even talk about it. Um, and those areas are what I do best. That's my talent. What I love to do. That's passion to talk about work. And then what results motivate me? So I'm getting out of bed, fired up every day. That's talent, passion, and mission. And when you use what you do best to do what you love, to produce results that matter to you, you're on purpose, your productivity and your promotions and your raises are going to be very consistent. So it's how to answer the question. What should I do with my professional life? The get clear assessment, you can get it. KenColeman.com slash assessment. KenColeman.com slash assessment. All right. Juliet is on the line in San Jose, California. Juliet, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. How can I help? Hi there, Ken. How are I, you doing? I am having a blast living the dream. What are you doing? I was going to ask if you're living the dream. That's great, man. I I'm am. doing great. Oh, that's awesome. How can I help? <laughs> so... For as long as I can remember, I felt as though my life's purpose was to dance. I have a talent for dancing. What kind of dance? Ballet, specifically. No kidding. Good for you. Thank you. So I have a talent for it. I have a huge passion for it. And I feel as though my mission in ballet is to move others through live performance. However, as I've learned through many years, a career in ballet is physically demanding. You work very long hours. It's financially challenging such that starting pay positions are stipend, which average at about $3 an hour. Wow. I know. (laughs) I'm currently 22 years old and I haven't yet been hired in ballet, despite giving it my absolute all. I've trained with a professional ballet company and put in about 17 years of training in pursuit of a career. My goodness. My body is exhausted at this point, yeah. and my health has slowly been declining. I fear that if I continue down this path, um, I won't be able to take care of myself physically, financially, yeah. and psychologically. Yeah. And I have other passions and talents beyond dance. Okay. So, I'm not sure if I should continue to chase this career or if I should explore my other options. And if I let go of ballet, how I can be at peace with that. Yeah. So what would you recommend? Yeah. Um, I don't think you need to let go of ballet completely. Let me start there. Because mm-hmm. I think that will help you emotionally. And then you'll have the right mindset to be able to move forward. And what I mean by I don't know that you need to let go of it completely is um, your body feels like to me has spoken. <laughs> And we need to we need to certainly stop dancing at the level that you've been dancing ballet. Like we need to stop that or certainly slow it down. So that means pursuing it as a profession, as an actual dancer, feels like that decision has made has been made for us, yes? 
Yes. Okay. However, there is the performance part of ballet, and then there is certainly other parts of ballet. Now, I'm starting to get over my skis here because I know very little about ballet, <laughs> but let me let me try to equate it, and, and, and you tell me if I'm on the right track. I if did. If I had played basketball my whole life, which was a dream, and let's say I made it to the college level and then my time was done, or let's just take an NBA player, anybody who just loves a sport, there's a point at which the body says, can't do it anymore. At that particular role. And so if you love the game, you could be in broadcasting. You could be in coaching. You could certainly be in the executive side of things. All right, so that's Mm -hmm. me using a a basketball metaphor. The question is, what opportunities are there for you that are not in the performative bucket? Are there any good opportunities where the finances are much better uh, whether that be teaching, running a school, I mean, or is that a very difficult path as well? And if it is, tell me, and I can still show you how we don't let go of ballet altogether. But what what do you know about the industry itself? I know that there's a lot of room for improvement in terms of health. Um, I myself have admittedly struggled a lot with health as a dancer, and I have a huge passion for the human body, so I could see myself potentially moving into that space. Okay, great. So, is there so the, you don't have to answer this now, but we would ask ourselves: Is there a professional path that I would enjoy that would pay me well, or pay me enough? Is the is the operating word really in ballet? If the answer is no to so, if the answer is yes, then okay, what does that look like to pivot and go that direction? If the answer is no, then I love what you just brought up. There is a performative nature to who you are. That's just who you are. You are a performer. Your heart thrives when the moment has arrived for you to perform a ballet dance. And you love performing not just the dance itself. You love the practice that goes into it, the performance, and then the audience sharing their appreciation. True or false? Yes. Oh, totally true. (laughs) Okay. So I will tell you that if you get into physical therapy or something that is physiological and you're, it's all about the human body performing at its best, you still need to be able to see a performative component. So, in other words, if you were to say, Ken, I think I'm going to pivot and go into physical therapy because I, I love how the body worked in fluid motion in this art form in ballet and I want to just stay in that lane – but I'm not in front of a crowd. Well, you're performing in a one-on-one setting because to be a great physical therapist, you are under pressure to perform at your best so that their body heals quickest and also performs well. Do you see that connection? I do. It's a way I haven't thought of looking at it. Okay. So what we want to do here, and we're starting this process, so we want to look at and I'm going to give you my get clear assessment. I want you to take it. It's going to be my gift to you. Okay. You bet. Absolutely. Because here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your results, your top talents. And I want you to look at, you know what, that's what you do best. And then I want you to look at, okay, this is the type of work or task that I love. That's passion. And so I'm going to tell you right now, I know where this is headed for you. Uh, my guess is, is that, um, performing, is going to be high. Um, there might be a uh, high level of creating 
um, as a part of your top three results. We'll see under passion. And then what motivates you, uh, the missional results. So when you look at that, you're going to get your purpose statement. I want you to look at that. And then I want you to sit down and go and write down everything you love about ballet. I mean, everything, every (laughs) facet of it. And when you begin to pull away from just ballet to the actual specific task and things you like about it mm-hmm. and why you long to do it if your body was healthy. Um, I think you're pulling those things out and looking at that purpose statement going, oh, well, I need to just be going over here. I can go here, 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 and here, and here. And I think there's a huge creative element to you. You like creating and performing. I do, absolutely. I mean, through writing, drawing, anything creative, sign yeah. me up. <laughs> so, so, and I'm not pushing you into instructing but i will say this whether it's in the arts or sports if you are creative to a point where you can no longer do it the way you used to do one beautiful way to keep that passion alive and well is to help others do what you used to do you know if i were to lose my voice today and not be able to uh, speak, uh, go on television, uh, do radio, uh, but I could still communicate, I probably would help others do what I do now to still see and have a tie to the art form that I believed so much in. And I think that's the direction you got to go. Hang on the line. We'll get you the assessment, Juliet. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.